0: You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Here's Nate. Well, in Exodus chapter 12, God has given directions to the people of Israel concerning the initial Passover lamb and how to treat and to use the Passover lamb, how to select the lamb that the lamb must be. Without blemish, that it must be in their house from the 10th to the 14th day of the month. He's told them when to kill their lambs, what to do with the blood of the lambs, how to eat the lamb and how to dress as they're eating the lamb and to prepare themselves for their departure from Egypt. This would be the final thing that would deliver them. The final thing that would deliver them, the blood of that Passover lamb. Now, This was an event in Israel's history, but this event would also be turned into a feast for coming generations. And this feast of the Passover would also turn into a feast of unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits. And so just a time of great rejoicing. And so here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, we pick up the account and we see some further directions concerning the Passover. He says, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it, as a feast. And so every single year, annually, the people of Israel would partake up this Passover meal celebration, this feast. He says, seven days, verse 15, you shall eat unleavened bread. Now, like I said, here's this feast of unleavened bread. Often, this is considered one and the same with the Passover feast. And uh, they go together and all of that. And so he says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from the land. Now this is interesting because leaven often throughout scripture is used in a very negative kind of light. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 and 8, he said, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And of course, as we're just thinking about these Old Testament pictures, which of course have New Testament fulfillments attached to them, we of course aren't going to go and sacrifice a lamb, in our households. However, there is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood so that we might have life. We believe in him. We place our faith and trust in him. And we are then set free from our slavery, not Egypt, but something stronger than Egypt, our slavery to sin. And as we're set free, one of the first things that we do and and one of the first things they did They had this festival unto the Lord where they ate their bread, but their bread was unleavened. They drove out the impurities. They drove out the sin. They went through that process of eating a clean meal, so to speak, and just the importance of receiving the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God, but also the importance of really turning inwardly and saying, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. On the first day, verse 16, you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land Of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, verse 18, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening, so a full week. For seven days, verse 19, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. So once again, this seven-day feast, he repeats the directions a few times, but the seven-day feast of eating this unleavened bread before the Lord. Then Moses, verse 21, called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel of the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. So once again, Moses is really just reiterating the directions that he's already received previously in Exodus 12 concerning that night of the Passover, he tells all the guys, he says, Hey, listen, you know, you got to go to your homes. You got to take the blood of the lamb. You got to take the a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood like a paintbrush and touch the lintel in the doorpost with the blood. And don't even think of leaving your home until the morning. Stay behind that door. You know, you don't want to be any other place then under and behind the blood of the lamp. Don't even try to come out of your house until the morning. For the Lord, verse 23, will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You will say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. It's fascinating here because they're preparing really for the initial Passover, but subsequent Passovers as well. They're talking about the days when they would observe the Passover in the future and future generations of children would ask and say, what is this all about? And he says, you need to tell them of the victory And the deliverance that God gave us back in the land of Egypt. And of course this speaks to us concerning sharing our story. And speaking of the grace of God. The blood of Jesus washing over our lives. Being willing to declare the goodness of the Lord. His faithfulness unto us. But a horrible moment really here in Egypt. As I said, this is a sad and a horrible moment. To think that had Pharaoh humbled himself, this could have been avoided. I'm sure that this death, horrible at first, led to the salvation of many. But notice, when it happens, midnight, who it happens to, the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, Pharaoh's house, the house of the lowest prisoner, and even amongst the livestock, the firstborn was taken. And the response, of course, is that everyone arose in the middle of the night, and all of Egypt was weeping and broken before God. Then, verse 31, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up! Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So Pharaoh, really with desperation now, total brokenness, he cries out and he says, you need to get out of here. This God-man... Pharaoh, who had been commanding worship and walking around as if he was a god on earth, is now asking for a blessing from the one true God. And just asking for mercy at this point. And God, of course, had promised that Pharaoh would release the people of Israel, even with a strong hand, back in chapter 6, verse 1. And so Pharaoh comes to Moses and says, It is time for you to depart. Now in the middle of all of this, just imagine what it would have been like to be an Israelite that night. You hear the cries of the Egyptians. I don't know what other sounds or what other experiences there were, but they were instructed to stay inside of their homes. There inside of their homes, they probably ran through an entire gamut of Emotions. I'm sure that they had feelings of fear, feelings of wonder. I'm sure that they doubted at times. However, all that mattered was the reality of the blood over the door of their home. All that matters to us, all that matters for God's children, is that the blood of Jesus has been applied to our hearts. His blood overrides our fickleness, overrides our feelings and emotions. It overrides our failures. The blood of Jesus overrides it all. Now, verse 33, it says that the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. You know, they had this feeling among them as if, If we keep these Hebrew people here any longer, we're surely all going to die. So the people took, verse 34, their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowl, bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel also had done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry, for clothing. You remember Moses had given this instruction to them, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they ask. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. So on their way out now from Egypt, the Egyptians are funding the Israelite cause. They're giving them gold and silver and just saying, please leave us. Take our belongings and our possessions. Just allow us to live. And the people of Israel, verse 37, journeyed from Ramses to Succoth about six Hundred thousand men on foot, besides women and children. So you have a very large group of people here, 600,000 men on foot, and then you have, in addition to them, the women and the children. So, altogether, amongst the Hebrew people, you have between two and three million people in total, women and children included. Exodus 38 and Numbers chapter 1 indicate to us that there were exactly 603,550 Israelite men. So, he says here, about 600,000 men on foot. Verse 38, this is interesting. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. So, in addition to the Hebrew people, you also had this mixed multitude that went with them non-israelites of an, an undesignated number and in numbers 11 verse 4 these people will be referred to as rabble people who will crave for egypt and long to return to egypt and i think really this is such an incredible picture because Even when we are set free by the blood of Jesus from our slavery to sin, there is always going to be a part of us, a portion of us, that longs to go back to the days of slavery. There will always be a part of us that loves sin, that desires to sin. We have these bodies of sin one day. These bodies will be put off and we will receive our new bodies from the Lord, bodies that will not be corruptible, bodies that will be glorious in every way, without the capacity to even sin, a lustful thought, an anger-filled desire. These thoughts will be eradicated from us as we receive our new glorious bodies from the Lord. As these earthly bodies are raised into incorruptible bodies, the mixed multitude inside of us will be gone. And I find that so many of the battles in my life are a result of the mixed multitude inside of me, silencing that portion of my heart and being more and more submitted to the desires and the will of the Lord, following wholeheartedly after him. And I find that when I do, such great peace and joy enters into my life. Even if circumstances don't necessarily improve, there is depth and joy inside of my life and inside of my heart. It says in verse 39, it says, And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of egypt for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves the time that the people of israel lived in egypt was 430 years wow. and at the end of 430 years on that very day all the hosts of the lord went out from the land of egypt it was a night of watching by the lord to, to bring them out of the land of egypt So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. So once again, remembering that night of the Passover. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 43, and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every slave is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. So there were foreigners who had come out with them. God then gives directions concerning future Passover meals. He says, listen, they can't eat it unless they're converted to Judaism. After you've circumcised him, they can join in. Verse 45, no foreigner or hired servant may eat of it. It shall be eaten also here in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house and you shall not break any of Its bones. And so you cannot partake of the lamb except for being in the house, which means that you're under the blood. Don't try to partake of the lamb outside of the house, outside of the blood. And this, of course, speaks to us concerning Jesus because you cannot really have fellowship with Christ unless you're under the blood of Christ. So don't try to partake of fellowship with Him without first receiving the blood of Jesus. And then, of course, the note that you shall not break any of its bones reminds us, of course, of Jesus, whose bones were not broken upon the cross. They came to break his bones, but he was already dead as they found him, and so instead they thrust a spear into his side, and out of his side flowed blood and water, but his bones were not broken. All, verse 47 The congregation of Israel shall keep the Passover. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. So they're converting, they're joining you. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people, verse 50, of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So the deliverance of God, bringing the people of Israel out of their slavery there in Egypt. And just wonderful, the deliverance of God. And it's so wonderful to see. We rejoice just reading it here, but it's so wonderful to watch and see the deliverance of God in a person's life. There's nothing like seeing a person being set free from their captivity to sin. The Lord said to Moses, chapter 13, verse 1, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. So, right off the bat here in chapter 13, God says, listen, give me all of the firstborn. You know, The firstborn of the livestock and of every household had died of the Egyptians. And so God is saying, you know, listen, the blood spared your firstborn of flock and of family. And so give me those firstborn children now to myself. They will all be mine in the future. Uh, Now, this would actually shift a little bit in the future. Uh, The Levites would be the tribe that would respond well during the testing of the golden calf. And we'll see that in just a few chapters. But when that moment came and that rebellion came, the Levites did well. And so God substituted the firstborn amongst all of Israel for just the entire tribe of the Levites. But just the importance of saying, Lord, you have done so much in my life. You have saved me from so much. And so now I will give so much of myself back to you. Then Moses said to the people, verse 3, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. So again, reminding them of the Passover, but here of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you. And no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. Again, part of this was because they didn't have time to leaven their bread on the initial Passover night. And so they ran away in haste quickly without even leavening their dough. And so here in the future, they would eat for seven days unleavened bread, which would remind them of that radical victory that God had won for them. He says, verse 8, You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And so once again, we see the importance of the communication of God's work and movement and victory throughout and from generation to generation. Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they had a great educational value within the home of the Israelites, just the simple faithfulness of what God had done. They had watched it, they had seen it, they had experienced it, and so they were explaining this now to their children. It's wonderful to explain to children theology and theories and concepts and to teach the Word of God in that kind of way to your children But there's wonderful and unique power in being able to explain to your children and to future generations exactly what the Lord has done for you and to testify of his grace and faithfulness in your life. He says, verse 9, he says, And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. So God says, listen, this feast or these feasts, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they're going to be yearly in your midst. So it's going to be like a sign on your hand, you know, like wearing a wristwatch or something that will always remind you and a memorial between your eyes. You just won't be able to forget What I did at this moment in delivering you from Egypt, you won't be able to forget it because I'm going to embed it and ingrain it inside of your culture and inside of your yearly flow. Just a wonderful reminder. When the Lord, verse 11, brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. So he talks about one of the unclean animals. He says, you know, the firstborn of all your livestock, they belong to the Lord now. But the firstborn of a donkey, that's an unclean animal, according to the Lord. So... What do you do with the firstborn of a donkey? Well, you redeem it with a lamb. And I like what one pastor friend of mine said. He said, you know, it's very obvious in scripture who the lamb is. That's Jesus. It ought to also be very obvious in scripture who the donkey is. (laughs) I think that's us. We must be redeemed by the lamb. He says, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its So rather than trading a lamb for the donkey, you just kill the donkey, the firstborn donkey, as a sign that it belongs to the Lord. This was their way of remembering what God had done for them and honoring and worshiping the Lord. He says also, every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now, of course, child sacrifice was outlawed so there was no option as with the donkey to break the neck of a child he just says when a firstborn child is born you will redeem him with a lamb and when in time to come your son asks you what does this mean you shall say to him by a strong hand the lord brought us out of egypt from the house of slavery for when pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go the lord killed all the firstborn in the land of egypt both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So, once again, the Lord just announcing and saying, listen, this is going to be done perpetually in your midst as a way to communicate to the next generation, the great faithfulness of God. Verse 17, he says, When Pharaoh let the people go, this is now the historical account, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. It was about a 10-day journey for the people to get to the promised land. But God wanted to take them on a longer route, a route of about a year with seven distinct campsites. And this was God's opportunity now to purge Egypt from the Israelite heart. He'd taken them out of Egypt, but now he needed to take Egypt out of them before they went into the land of Canaan. And so God says, I'm going to take them this way, lest they go the shorter route, see war, and return to Egypt. There would have been Egyptian guards and sentries along that route. And so rather than fight, he takes them into a different direction. They weren't ready for battle just yet. And oftentimes, right when we're delivered and set free, we're not quite ready yet for the fight. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle, more than likely meaning that they were marching in unison. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And so they honor Joseph's previous request. Stephen tells us that, the sons of Jacob were also taken. This is in Acts chapter 7. And so they bring the bones out of Egypt and with them on their path to the promised land. And eventually they would be buried in Shechem. And they moved on, verse 20, from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people and so we'll get a chance to see this in the coming chapters but it's the glorious provision and protection and leadership of God for the people of Israel god bless you and amen Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.